Hey, Todd. Hey, Sal. So welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Party on John cast. As we walk through this Holy Week uh, and we've arrived at Good Friday, as we walk through the book of Mark, um, this is Reverend Sal Marco, a ordained teaching elder in the Presbytery of Newton in the Presbyterian Church USA, uh, serving in the validated ministry of healthcare chaplaincy in Newton. And this is uh, Reverend Todd Laddick, uh, an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey, serving a congregation in Newton, New Jersey, just slightly, slightly on higher ground than Sal. It's the only higher ground I give them. Short of divine providence. Amen. All right, so again, we are walking through the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 15. So this is verse 1 through 47. Very early in the morning, the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of religious law took the entire high council, met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, You have said it. Then the leading priest kept accusing him of many crimes, and Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they are bringing against you? But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at the time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? Pilate asked. For he realized by now that the leading priests had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, Then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, Crucify him! So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. The soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters called the Praetorium and called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe, and they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him, and dropped to their knees in mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then, 
and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus's cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, The King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha! Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said. Let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, This man truly was the Son of God. Some women were there, watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph, and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. This all happened on Friday, the day of preparation the day before the Sabbath. As evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honored member of the high council, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead, so Pilate told Joseph he could have the body. Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth, and then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and laid it in the tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled the stone in front of, of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, Joseph saw where Jesus' body was laid. Mm. Yeah. Good Friday. Yeah. Um... 
I mean, this is heavy. Very heavy. Um, what's so I, good about Friday? What's so good about Friday? You know, I I was uh, we've been going through, as you know, Sal, uh, the Gospel of Mark as a Bible study, and uh, in my evening class, um, somebody noted. You know, we we talked about it, and then I read uh, a, a clip or a, or a passage, I should say, from Killing Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, where it describes in detail. And Killing Jesus was from Bill O'Reilly. Uh, whether you're a fan of him or not, the book itself uh, does it a, a good attempt, at least, uh, of piecing together the historical context of the crucifixion and of uh, Jesus's last moments on earth. And it paints the historical context that, that Jesus lived in and grew up in, which is very important to understanding all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I read this piece of, of the, of the crucifixion and what this was about, um, there was a silence when I finished it. And this woman, it, it just clicked for her. And her words when I finished reading it were, and then they crucified him. Like the Bible doesn't necessarily go into detail what the crucifixion was all about. Mm -hmm. It just gives you the words. And then they crucified him because in that day and age, people knew what crucifixion was about in today's Mm -hmm. day and age. We don't necessarily. And so when you hear those details, the minimalism of the words and then they crucified him. Really hit home. Yeah. So think of uh, what has become a piece of jewelry was <laughs> was a Roman execution tool. Yeah. Try to picture wearing a syringe around your neck or mm. an electric chair yes. or a noose. Or a noose. <laughs> Noose is more fitting around the neck, I suppose. <laughs> or, the, or the rack. Or the rack, yeah. Um, it, yeah. I yeah. mean, what do you say? Uh, I, the, I love Toby Mac. Mm-hmm. Big, big yeah. fan of Toby Mac. Uh, but in the song, uh, I think it's Irene, uh, the song where he says, you know, pick up your cross and wear it all day long. That's not what Jesus meant. No. <laughs> not at all. No. <sighs> you know, and, and, you know, I, I think he probably understands that and I, I get what he was doing in the rhyme, mm-hmm. but, but the cross was an instrument of death, of humiliating death mm-hmm. of the most disgraceful death you can think of. We have the pictures of Jesus on the cross with the loincloth and everything looks serene. He's got the halo around his head and, you know, yeah, it's sad, but what a glorious moment, right? No, there was nothing glorious about <laughs> crucifixion. Truth be told, you were stripped naked. Mm-hmm. Naked, as they say in my neck of the woods. Yes. Um, and exposed for the world to see, exposed, alone, abandoned. Even the women who, the women of all people who came to support Jesus in this moment, 
even the women could only watch from a distance, distance because they weren't allowed up to the foot of the cross like the movies and the paintings tell us. Um, you know, you see those images of Mary at the foot of the cross. I, I think of uh, the Passion of the Christ where Mary's kissing his feet and the blood of, is on her lips. And that, that that's a fantasy. Like, mm-hmm. they, according to Mark anyway, they were at a distance. They couldn't even get to that place where they were next to him comforting him he was alone in this Eloi Eloi lema sebachthani my God my God why have you forsaken me and this was um, <clears throat> Jesus grew up in a time in a, in a region where uh, this was a tool that was used to reinforce the power of Rome yeah. Um, so in this moment, for all intents and purposes, Rome has won. Rome has won in this moment. I mean, as far as Pontius Pilate is concerned, and you know, Pontius Pilate is kind of shown as a um, as a uh, an indecisive person. You know, he kind of sympathizes with Jesus. Um, to be honest. Pilate was about as cruel as they come. Mm. There's a story of Pilate, uh, you know, at the very beginning of him being governor, where where he uses the temple tax inappropriately to fund aqueducts, which almost causes a rebellion. And people are in the streets, uh, you know, protesting, uh, you know, coming together, congregating in order to protest to Pilate about the grievances they have over this misuse of the temple funds. And Pilate welcomes them into the town square as if he's going to hear them, but he secretly puts his troops uh, in and around them dressed as common people. And when he gives the order, whatever that signal was, they pull off their tunics and there they are Roman soldiers and they beat people to death. I mean, just an entire bloodbath. I mean, just like eliminates the entire crowd. This is Pilate. Mm-hmm. So Pilate doesn't give a flying whatever about Jesus. About Jesus. He, he doesn't. He's not convinced he's guilty, but he is doing this um, purely for political reasons because he wants to maintain the peace of of his region and also um, not have a revolt. So correct. Yeah. Um, and I also I love with the burial of Jesus. You know, Joseph of Arimathea took a great risk with what he did. But as it was late in the afternoon on the day of preparation, you know, it ties right back to Holy Wednesday when when this woman, presumably Mary, um, right? This Mark says he and she anoints him to prepare him ahead of time for burial. Yep. Um, he she essentially gets him ready because he. He knew there would be no no time for him to be prepared. So traditionally, you would prepare the body and wrap it and anoint it with oil and um, incense and spices and you know to cover the smell of death. And Joseph has no time to prepare this body on Friday. Um, None. So this beautifully ties back to earlier in the week with this very moving and intimate encounter with Mary. Um, 
for him to be prepared for death because yeah. in death he was alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, in death he was alone. And, uh, and when he's on the cross, when he's on the cross shouting out, Eloi, Eloi, lema sebachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not just stating his his sense of abandonment and aloneness on the cross, which is part of what he's doing. Mm. He's also quoting the Psalms. Psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, 22. Psalm of David, mm. ironically, right. and, and and not not actually ironically, quite intentionally. Mm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is then followed by Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with thou me. Art with thy me. rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me, me. In the presence of my enemies. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And yet Jesus still, like Todd was saying, was very, was in the sense of abandonment, being alone. Um, he was abandoned by his friends. He's abandoned by the women. He's abandoned by his father. And I can't help but think of Judas. Um, the History Channel, a docudrama that Todd and I have mentioned throughout this week, um, did a very moving interpretation of Judas. Um, hmm. In the scriptures, Judas, there's, there's two descriptions of how Judas ends his life. Um, because he ends his life over his decision to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, he hangs himself, or in the other account, he falls to the ground and his innards spill out. Yeah, um, yeah. So they they prepared, pr portrayed Judas sitting under the tree with his inner voice saying, What happened? Just a few days ago, I was praying with him. I was eating with him. I was laughing with him. I was preaching with him. Yep. What happened? And then it cuts to a long shot of just him swinging from a tree. Mm. <laughs> like. And I have to go back to. Uh, the Maundy Thursday text, the Holy Thursday text, when Jesus said that, that it would be better for this man to have never been born, he wasn't saying that because he had like something out for Judas or this was any sort of judgment on Judas. But the fact of the matter was Judas was not going to be able to live with the decision he made. He crossed the point of no return. He crossed the line. And I don't think it was a... a point of God in Jesus wishing Judas dead, but Judas himself not being able to bear it and wishing himself dead. Yeah. And there isn't, a there isn't any amount of forgiveness that is going to bring somebody back at that point when they just are, they just cannot accept the forgiveness that is there for them um, because of the guilt that overwhelms them. It, it's it's an utter tragedy and Judas um, I believe was loved by Jesus dearly um, despite his fallenness um, just like the rest of us and that 
I guess that kind of brings us to a wrap up here, uh, mm. Sal, um, for, for good Friday. Um, what's so good about Friday? That's right. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Amen. Um, so I just want to, before we close in prayer, I just want to ask a couple of questions. Where are you on this good Friday? Are you the inquisitor of Jesus? The one who's asking questions for your own gain? The one who is putting Jesus on trial to prove him wrong? To see why A. Are you playing the people around you for fools? Are you mocking Jesus? Are you mocking Jesus in your words? Or are you, by claiming to be one of Jesus's, mocking him by your lack of faith? by your disobedience, by your unwillingness to put him above everything else. What part have you played in Jesus' crucifixion? Not one of us, not one of us, none of us stand untainted by the soot of our sin. Not one of us stand guiltless in any of this. What part have you played in making this world so wrong? What part have you played in the death of Jesus? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, each and every one of us stand before you guilty of sin. Not one of us has lived a sinless life. Every one of us have contributed to to what is wrong in this world. But there is hope, Lord. For the story does not end on Good Friday. It does not end nailed to the cross. It does not end in the tomb locked away behind a rolled stone. It does not end in the cold darkness of death. Rather, you wrote the ending. And the ending is just the beginning. From death comes life. Through death comes resurrection. And Lord, you are leading each and every one of us from the tomb into the resurrected life. Soften our hearts. Help us to reflect so that we may enter into the resurrected life with Jesus. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray together the prayer that the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so that wraps up, Sal, our Good Friday. Um, And uh, we hope that you will reflect on this whole week, on our own sinful part in this world, and on what Christ is doing in spite of us. For it is there that we find our salvation. Reflect on your part in this. But also we dare you to trust that Jesus loves you. So be be excellent to each other. And God bless.